Hi, I'm Lucy Porter. And I'm Alexi Bolden. And, and this, this is, is Academia. Academia. How you doing, baby girl? I'm good. I'm coming off a weekend of Galentine's, about to launch it to another weekend of Galentine's. Oh so I could not be more on God. top of the world. You have a packed social calendar. I love Galentine's more than anything. This is my favorite time of the year. I think I've mentioned really? this before, but I have so many heart-shaped things that it this this time of year feels like Christmas for me. Wow. Well, and that is very true to you and your form of like the the outfits inspire the energy around the time of year. Mm-hmm. I have heart-shaped necklaces, yes. ta- like table decor, tea towels, uh, dishes. <laughs> so this time of year is kind of, I you, feel like I'm fully formed. Can you please take the time to tell our listeners about the heart-shaped cup you have? I have a heart-shaped cup. Uh, <laughs> I got it. Um, let me just walk you through. I opened the door to this to this shop of trinkets. Wow. And I, I knew I was leaving there with something. a trinket store. Right? I love a trinket store so bad. Knickknacks? You can justify any price. Any price. Because you're like, this is a little trinket. Mm-hmm. Of course I'm going to get it for this little price. It's a, a candle. It's a cute $20. Sticker. Of course I'm going to spend $20 a on a candle. <laughs> Where else would I get this? Amazon, maybe, but in this trinket store for sure. I have to support the white women in this trinket store. I have to support and let let it be known. I will always support white women in trinket stores. Anywhere else, I can't get behind you. That's that's our that's our native land. That's like where I come home and it feels <laughs> like a homecoming. Where there's homemade jewelry and I justify $45 for a Scorpio necklace or Absolutely. $80, excuse me, for a Scorpio necklace. Absolutely. Because I know it was handmade by some white woman in the back. Love her. Claire. Claire. Katie, even. <laughs> Madison. Ooh, yes. Madison loves making astrology jewelry. So I walk in that trinket store and I know I'm leaving there with something because why wouldn't I? Yeah. And I turn to my left and what do I see but a heart-shaped display of any of everything from like a, a chair that one would sit at a table huh. to a Harry Styles uh, Valentine's Day plate, which was a strong contender for instead of the cup. But I felt I could get more use out of the cup. Yeah. The heart-shaped glass. Yeah. Now, my, my question with the heart-shaped glass is, is it practical to drink out of? No. Yeah, exactly. Did I buy it for practicality? No. All right. Okay, case closed. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? What's going on with you? Oh, I'm good. I'm in a bit of just like general turmoil and in like the coolest, funnest way. I, I'm i in, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging out, you know, it's okay. simultaneously an apartment hunt and a job hunt. And, you know, that's awesome. That's actually really cool and fun for me. Really hunter-gathery of you, yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm sort of going out into the world and being like, I need money to live. I need a place to live. Woo! (laughs) Yeah, no one's talking about how you have to scavenge as an adult. No. Slowly but surely, we're going to figure it out. Slowly but surely. I am praying that one day... We'll get a little halo light and be like, that's it. You figured out how to be an adult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think that exists. I'm going to be so real. I don't think that exists. You know what? If centaurs can exist, so can that moment. And again, so interesting because maybe <laughs> they don't. Maybe they don't. <laughs> huh. Are you engaged in the Percy Jackson renaissance? 
Am I? Yes, I am. I am front row. I am sat down for the Percy Jackson renaissance. And I'm also here for Cheryl Lee Ralph saying that Percy Jackson is black <laughs> in that Abbott Elementary <laughs> like, Variety do? interview. She, she said do? that she was like, there's no way Percy Jackson is not black just because the name <laughs> Percy Jackson, Jackson is a very like African-American name. Um, and so she, was, I guess that was the point she was trying to make. That's really good. She was like, my Percy Jackson is black. We were like, okay, girl. It's yes, not representation. Is. It's just the name. <laughs> She's just it's profiling. Just but the show is very, very well done. And I, while it like um, goes away from the book in some moments, I mm-hmm. think that it's it keeps you engaged. Because we read the book. We saw the first two movies as mm-hmm. Percy Jackson fans, the, uh, the we. And I think that... So much time has passed that it's okay now for things to, diver- to divulge a little bit from the book world. Yeah. Um, it's still jarring when it happens, especially if you had the books memorized in the order of which they go. And you're like, okay, that actually doesn't happen. Actually, when Percy's in the, in the arts, he like he chooses to jump down. He doesn't like fall down. But <gasps> it's a whole thing. Wow. Well, I can't wait. I can't wait. I shouldn't. I will engage soon. I have been lying to my cousin about engaging. <laughs> my my 10 year old cousin Ian has started reading mm-hmm. Percy Jackson and for him to like read is huge. And so everyone's been really, like, really encouraging it. And I think the lie started when he said he was reading and I was like, oh, yeah, I read that. And I, I yeah. did not. And so <laughs> as far as Ian knows, I'm all over the new Percy Jackson series. Yeah, I think you can get away with the common knowledge that everyone has so far. Greek mythology of Zeus is there. Poseidon, also there. Plus, he's doing that child thing where it's like the second you express interest in media that they like, they have to tell you the entire plot. Yeah, like you haven't just discussed that you've both seen it yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm able to like catch up on the plot because he's like, oh, yeah. And the part where this happens and the part where this happens and then after that, this happens. Obviously. That's something I've known about for years. I was actually reading that when you were born. So yeah. Thanks for bringing that to my attention. I'm actually older and wiser. Older, wiser, smarter, prettier. Sorry, Ian. Sorry, Ian. I think we should bring in the guest. Open the door, lay down the red carpet. <laughs> and the red carpet is fresh, baby. It's Los Angeles. There's red carpets everywhere here. Just vacuum. Do you think they dry clean them? Sorry. Absolutely. There's has to be whole services for this. Well, I was like, do they ref- so we'll bring in our guests and then we will have this discussion about red carpets because I'm very curious what they think as well. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure the guest has a lot of expertise on red carpets and the process behind laying and cleaning them. Anyway, this <laughs> guest, my God, this guest is sorry to say one of my fellow improv team members if you can wow. even believe it she and yes, i and. gather uh, bi-weekly at the pack theater to do a little art form known as improv this is actor and writer shoshana green oh my god that's me welcome. welcome to academia i i love that you lined the floor with red carpets for me. Thank you so much. Isn't it gorgeous? Yeah, they're so nice. Even in a virtual podcast, we can decorate to make our guests feel at home. Virtual carpets are yeah, we just much easier to take care of than analog. Yeah. Well, that's what I was wondering. If they use the same carpet for like the Oscars every year or if they buy new fabric and just kind of donate the last year's fabric. So having done some PA work, 
for events, not never the Oscars, but I've worked uh, at AFI Festival and Outfest, mm-hmm. um, and we have red carpets there. My guess is that those carpets are rolled up, put in a big storage warehouse, and not looked at until the next year, and then they roll them out, and they're like, oh, get some PAs with some little vacuums. They look terrible. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's – I'm pretty sure they're disgusting. I mean, it's got to be okay, right. Good. It's not. It's not like fresh hand pressed carpets. Hand hand pressed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm. <laughs> you have a bunch of people with like irons just on the floor. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't surprise me the amount of money and like one time usage that people are getting out of things at award shows. It would not surprise me if the red carpet was one of those one time use things. There's got to be like a docu on this maybe not like a full multi-series but like a 15 minute youtube video that's like this is arnold arnold spent 40 years working in the carpet business in la every year he has to make a brand new red carpet yeah the man's like hands are raw i i would assume that that piece of media exists he's just like santa just like Santa, Arnold the red carpet guy. <laughs> His hands are bleeding. <laughs> he only works one day a year. Yeah. Yeah. He brings the carpet there via reindeer. Uh, mm-hmm. he knows, Arnold doesn't have any elves. He knows if the celebrities have been good or bad. <laughs> yeah, he's on Dumois. Ooh, Arnold he is runs Dumois. Dumois. Wow. <laughs> Is Dumois still sort of up and running? Yes. I, I don't know what that is. Oh, Shoshana. Oh, no. oh baby girl, buckle in. Okay. Let's bring you in. I'm about <laughs> to get sit, educated. Sit down, sit by the hearth. <laughs> We're about to tell you of the, the whirlwind that is Dumois. It is an Instagram celebrity gossip account. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's like completely anonymous. I think they came out recently and it was just like an adult woman and everyone was sort of like, okay. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's our most trusted resource for gossip. (laughs) Yeah. Gossip and trinkets. That's what women are all about. Gossip and trinkets. (gasps) You guys saw the Barbie movie. That's what it was all about. (laughs) Basically, Dumois, it functioned in like, in a way where all of their um, tips were just people DMing them on Instagram. And so there was no way to like verify <laughs> any of it. Amazing. So they were just posting things wildly being like, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> yeah. And as, as long as you put allegedly in front of everything, no lawsuits. Yeah. Right. Free. I love that so much. Well, there was sort of a vernacular that formed around it because like as people would submit, they were always posted without their names. But despite that, they would always send like the piece of gossip and then say anon, please. And so the phrase (laughs) anon, please, like caught on for a minute there where it's like, of course, like you're nobody. Like, why would we (laughs) why would we care? It's also very fun because people would be like, "My, I'm the friend of a friend who's the PA for this mm-hmm. um, celebrity star who is a famous uh, athlete and is married to 
um, insert profession of like influencer or something. And I know this piece of gossip that they're about to get divorced soon, but it's super hush hush. So it, it would honestly be like people trying to plug in the pieces of like, okay, who are the athletes married to influencers? Yeah. Um, who do we know that like they're a little It was rocks? really a collective illness. Mm-hmm. It really was. That's a really good way to put that. There was one, I think there was like one famous tip was like Joe Biden, Joe Biden spotted in DC and Dumas <laughs> responded likely place for him to be. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's caught on now of like X spotted in Y likely place for him to be <laughs> as like a <laughs> format. So that's Dumas in a nutshell. Amazing. I'm so glad I know that. I don't think it ever got like violent. I, I don't think it was like ever inherently evil, but it was like inherently messy. I'll take messy over evil. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I can deal with a mess. <laughs> Can't clean up evil. Now that's a title. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to be the title of my comedy special. Can't clean up evil. I can deal with a mess. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, Can't Clean Up Evil is like oh, a clean up. 2024 presidential candidate. Ooh, yeah. Uh, that's their platform, their slogan. They're not going to win, but by George, they want yeah. to. <laughs> We're brainstorming really good stuff here. This think tank we formed informally is kind of killing it. People should give I us I think what we should do is money. harness that energy and move into, dare I say, our first segment. You dare to be different. Dare I say. No. Shoshana, this first segment is called the IQ test. Got it. You may not know this, but IQ tests are historically rooted in what is Alexi? My brain screaming genocide. It it's not rooted racism? in genocide. I would, is it racism? Okay, both of those eugenics. What's the word eugenics. Thank you. I'm oh, eugenics. Yeah, it, it incorporates yeah. both of those. So neither of you were wrong. You're both correct. My brain was screaming genocide. I was like, it's not rooted in genocide, but genocide has been justified using these systems. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, IQ tests are rooted in eugenics, and Alexi and I don't really like eugenics that much. But yeah, they tried to take me out one time. <laughs> before before but, you were like, they're fine, but then they tried to take you out. And you're like, tried, well, I guess. And I was can. like, oh my God, this is what you're on? When it became personal, it was like, oh, wait, let me re birth, reassess yeah. everything. Despite that, we do have to sort of like set the bar for your intelligence before we engage in this academic conversation we're about to have. So what we've done is we've written our own IQ test questions. Now, without further ado, Alexi Bolden, take it away. Shoshana, your dishes are dirty. And a dirty in a way that you just, you don't even know how that happened. Wow. You have two options that can get you through this moment. Scrub Daddy or SpongeBob, which one are you choosing to get you through? Definitely SpongeBob. A hundred percent. One of the best ways to clean dishes I've found uh, is just to soak them for a really long yes. time. It's also a great tactic if you don't want to wash them because you're like, <laughs> I'm technically washing them. Yeah, they're bathing. They're bathing, exactly. And I feel like SpongeBob would be more helpful in that situation. Oh. He's all about being under the sea. He knows what it's like to be soaked Submerged. in water for a long time. Salt, salt is a great cleaning agent. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I will say we are like 10 years away from a scrub daddy movie. Like with the that's way that gener- like, that's te- generous. Com- yeah. I, it's like five to 10, you know, like the way that like <laughs> yeah. products are being used as IP for movies. Scrub daddy is about mm. to have like a Lego type movie. Do you think the scrub daddy will get a Broadway musical first or a movie first? Wow. I think if anything, it would be one of those like TikTok creators trying to make a musical and then that would get shut down because that's at scrub daddy corp. They're already in development for a movie. And so they're really trying mm. to lock in those rights. Yeah. And that makes also sense. TikTok lasting 10 years is also very generous. I'm yeah, with the removal really of music. Point. I'm wondering, I'm wondering. Yeah. Wait, they removed music from TikTok. There's like a thing where they're taking off sounds from a bunch of people's videos. So it was just silent. Um, I don't know. Ooh. I don't know exactly what was going on, but they were removing like music and you couldn't get it back no matter what you did. Mm-hmm. Um, so like your aesthetic videos, like you traveling in Rome or Brazil is now <laughs> silent. silent. That happens to a couple of mine where it's like the sound has been revoked. Yeah. I I love that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> silent movie era. <laughs> it's like the app is kneecapping itself. <laughs> Mm-hmm. My friend um, works for the government and she was telling me that she's not allowed to have TikTok because of like the the like security concerns. And so that was enough for me to be like, maybe I should delete this. I, I, I also have a friend who works in government and they are not allowed to have a TikTok for the same yeah. reasons. Yeah. I don't have much to hide, but I'm like, I don't know. Doesn't seem great. That's very interesting. Instagram seems okay. They can have an Instagram. Yeah. Instagram seems okay. I also, there was an app that came out not too long ago. I sent it to Lucy. It's called Laps. And it's supposed to be like a um, like a Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok, all rolled into one. When, and like a be real. So it's like whenever you're in a moment, it'll be like, Laps this and take a picture of where you're at. Like, and the pictures will develop in a couple of like hours. Um, and that was a very invasive app because when you first signed up for it, it was like, you have to give them access to your contacts or you have to, excuse me, you have to invite five people. Yeah. You cannot get further on the app until you send this to five people. They're um, just so like, I, this is an MLM. Like, yes. we're not. Yeah. <laughs> upfront. Yeah, they're very exactly. upfront about it. So I can't even be mad. They told me what it was and I continued on anyway. That was That's on me. Have you been <laughs> using it? I deleted it because, so it asks you for, it asks you for like, um, access to your contacts and I always say no just in case just in case for safety Uh, but I kept getting friend requests or like notifications that so-and-so was now on laps and it was interesting people that I knew and it was interesting Mm -hmm. because I was like but I said no that you can't have access to my contacts so how do you know that this that I know this person but then I realized that if those people still had my contact and they (gasps) gave access to their contacts that then I was still on their radar and it was very interesting who still had my number after, you know, high school had passed and everything <laughs> or like college or friendship breakups. Yeah. So it was very, it's a very invasive app. And I just, they're, they're so sneaky about it and they're doing it like, no, we're having fun. We're having friends. Like add everybody, you know, take a picture. It's cute. It's memories. No, absolutely not. I don't like this new thing where you used to be able to like opt out of cookies on oh, sites. Yeah. Yes. And now they're this new thing where they're like, click here to opt out. But then you click it and it just goes to this page that's like, we actually don't have to let you opt out. We just have to list 
all the things, Mm -hmm. all the information we have on you. So if you'd like to know what we know about you, you can do that, but you don't, we can't, we're, we don't have to let you opt out. Mm -hmm. I saw that. And it's only also, it's only like in the state of California. Oh, interesting. In California, you get to know what information they have on you. But if you're not in California, you don't get anything. It's also like, okay, so now I know, now what? Like, what am I supposed to do that? I still want to use this website. (laughs) You already have this information on me. Like what? I can't do anything about it. I'm a comedian. Like I have no power. (laughs) Literally, brother. Oh. Okay, well, that was question number one. Here's question number two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Five more. <laughs> okay, Shoshana. The Pulitzer Prize is an award given for achievements in newspaper, magazine, online journalism, literature, and musical composition. What is the Lily Pulitzer Prize? Mm. Oh, um, that is the prize for uh, journalistic integrity for the script that is written on the inside of purses and bags and like the lining of clothing. (laughs) Yeah. Wearable copyright. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and also they, um, you can go in a pro like if you write a really good, like how to wash the garment (gasps) uh, on the tag, you can win a Lily Pulitzer. I would go to that award show. I would go to that (laughs) award show too. Shoshana. Yes. We all know that Jack in the Box startles people. Mm. But what startles Jack in the Box? <gasps> Good question. Ooh. Mm. Um, I would like like a midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like that monotony yeah. of the routine gets to you after a while. Yeah. He's like, what, what am I even doing coming in and out of this yeah. box all it's the like, time? I just am I just... Home. Yeah, I just want to stay inside. When, when do I get to choose when to come out? I have no power. Someone else controls when I come out, when I go back in. When your life's purpose is rooted in scaring people, that's not a life. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. When you, yeah, you're like, when do I get to give joy? Yeah. That movie's coming out in three to five years. That's that's Jack close. In the Jack in the, yeah, the Jack in the Box movie. After Sonic, the movie, anything could happen. I would honestly, I would watch a Jack in the Box movie. <laughs> the, the the whole, I think the entry point to the Jack in the Box movie is that like we see the toy that we're all, we all know and love, but there's a whole world inside the box where it's like Ooh, when they're yeah. not out, all of the Jack in the Box is similar to like Barbie land. All of them exist mm-hmm. in this like metaphysical world inside the box. Like inside out. Yeah. Wow. Inside out yeah. made me really existential for a minute. Yeah. Or is it more like a get out situation where inside the box is like the sunken I think cut it 50-50 because I do think that the Jack in the Box movie is like a children's horror. Like it is horror, (laughs) but like horror light. Yeah. Yes, like a Coraline. Yeah. And I could hear, I like can already hear like a creepier, slow. (laughs) Stop. It gives a freaking me out. Stop. Jack, you can't crank for the rest of your life. I have to try. Dun, 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 dun. Or he's like, what if I just stay out? What happens if I stay out? Out. 
that's good. <laughs> or, and then at some point, like he gets separated from the box, and it's like body <gasps> like, horror, really tragically. Almost. Yeah, because like you, he has no legs, so it's like what happens when your body is severed from the box, severed from the world. Man's just <sighs> grabbing and pulling himself wow. along the asphalt of we'll life. We'll write it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we just got it. the first ten pages right now. Done. Okay, Shoshana, third question <laughs> for our rapid fire segment. Mm-hmm. Third question. Okay, pick one. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. Or I have to tinkle, but the bathroom is too far. Mm. Definitely, definitely twinkle, twinkle, little star. Totally. Totally. I, I, I unironically and honestly love that tune. Huh. It's also like I really do. Tell me more. It's also the ABCs. It's it's like it's a it's a it's a banger. It's like a kid's first it's the first time I think a kid gets to experience like a hook. Mm. Or like a, like a tune <laughs> totally. that like music. like an earworm, yeah, music in general, yeah. And it like if like a big band, like if like a swing band was playing "Twinkle Twinkle Little Star," I would absolutely dance. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> and there's a there's Mozart actually wrote. Uh, it's it's not so the original "Twinkle Twinkle Star." I literally just went down a "Twinkle Twinkle really? Little Star" rabbit hole like not that long ago. So Mozart actually wrote like variations on that theme. It was originally like a little French. It was like a French little kid song. Oh. I don't remember the name of it, um, but it was the same tune. And then he wrote a piece that's like I think it's twelve um. variations on "Twinkle Twinkle Little Star." And it's really great. Like there's cool. just the classic, like dun 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 Like it just goes, <laughs> it goes wild. There's one that's like a little dark. There's one that's Ooh. like, it's really great to listen to. Um, yeah, and I was like, I actually really like that tune. Spotify Wrapped. It's just the Twinkle Twinkle Little Star variations and everything Mozart hoped it would be. Wow. And. And I often sing it when I have to remember things in alphabetical order. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a that's a college tri- uh, college memorization trick for those of you who are still in school. Um, Shoshana, one has to go. Mm. Knock knock jokes or ding dong ditch, because they're both jokes about an entry. Whoa, um, I would say I'd have to. As much fun as like a ding dong ditch is, I would have to say that one has to go. Yeah. Because mm. just for me personally, um, my cat is very scared of doorbell rings. Oh. And if the doorbell rings, he's like, ah, and has to like run and hide. So <laughs> I'd be very upset if like the doorbell rung and my cat got scared and yeah. then there was like, no. It was just a rowdy teen. Yeah. On the flip side, your cat loves knock-knock jokes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I do, like, I don't want to deny teenagers fun activities because we've limited their access to the world so much. Like, I, yeah. I would hate to take that away. Um, but, I, yeah, just for, for my cat's sake, I would have to get rid of that. And I do love knock-knock jokes. Are, are teenagers even doing that? That feels like something that's, like, in the movies, Ding dong ditch. Yeah. 
We did it when we were teenagers, but I did it what like once or twice. Yeah. I was a little let down though. I was like, you're like, you ring it and you're like, and then you're like, (laughs) okay, what? what? (laughs) Cause it's like, if you want to be in view of the person who opens the door, you're still, it's being risky. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it's like, are we in view or do we like jet all the way down the the neighborhood? (laughs) Is there a little alleyway you can tuck behind and peek around? I don't know. (laughs) And after they go, it's like, okay, that's that's, it. You're not usually getting that kind of reaction. Like that's very cartoon. Truly, truly. Yeah, usually it's like nothing. <laughs> it's it's like okay, or like people look out of their peephole, see nobody, and keep it moving. Yeah, we did something that I thought was common, but now as we're talking about it, I'm I'm wondering maybe if this was just to Central Ohio. We did something called forking, where you would go and you would fork somebody's yard. So like instead of ding dong ditching or instead of like TPing a house, you would take a a box of like plastic forks and you would just cover the yard in plastic forks in the cover of the night so that when they would wake up in the morning, they have to take all the forks out of their lawn. I I have never heard of that. And I also like for me, I want a practical joke to contain as little manual labor as possible. But bending over and like, per- first of all, purchasing a large quantity of yeah. plastic forks. Yeah. I, don't really, dedicating it, time. I did it like a few sleepovers. Like I remember it was like, we're all in black and we're going to go lay on like this boy in sixth grade who we all kind of like. We're going to go to his house and cover his yard in forks and then we're going to run away. <laughs> To be the parent of a middle school boy who that the girls kind of like is crazy. Oh, I just wake up and it's like, Johnny, what just happened? (laughs) These teenage girls are crazy. These teenage girls covered (laughs) our lawn with forks. (laughs) I I honestly love that though, because it's sort of an art project. It takes it ta- it takes a lot of energy to do, which like teenagers have a lot of energy. They you want them out at night, mm-hmm. but like you don't want them. Do- it's not inherently harmful. Like they're not hurting that's, anyone. Yeah, with that. it's not like we're egging a house or even like teepee. Like teepeeing a house, it's like that's hard to clean up. It's really hard to clean up, and then if it rains, yes. it like oh gets gloppy and everywhere. Eggs can are can be like really damaging to like any like windows or plastic Mm -hmm. substances or things like that. But yeah, forking someone, that's relatively, I mean, you have the, you know, you have to pick up all the forks and I guess like plastic damage isn't good for the earth, but you know. Oh yeah. You could, you could never fork these days. If you had a pet and you weren't sure, you didn't know that the yarn had been forked and you just let them out to go to the bathroom. That, that I can see being harmful. Ooh yeah. That would not be so great. Yeah. You could get those biodegradable plastic forks and then it's fine. <laughs> Is it even worth it after that? Spending $40. <laughs> I like, um, I like helpful pranks. Huh? Mm. I, I had a friend in, he was an adult and I was like a teenager at the time. I think it was like, I don't know, some like youth community group or something that I was in. And he told this story about he and his friends one night, there was a place in their town that had two stop signs right next to each other. Cause like, I guess Uh like one was older and it had been replaced and the city just never took away the second one. So one night they went and they took away the second stop sign and put it at a place in town that desperately needed a stop sign. That's so funny. That's so funny. That's nice. Yeah. And like, and the town 
left it there. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, this is great. We really needed a stop sign. Who did this? Who, what <laughs> unsung hero is <laughs> literally? That's really good. Yeah. My, my other favorite prank is if I'm at a place like, I don't know, a convention or like mm-hmm. a workshop, someplace where there's like a, a lot of people who are excited to sort of meet the people in the yeah. upper echelon or whatever is my favorite thing to do is to pick one of the people there and just spread the rumor that it's their birthday. <gasps> and it's great because if you want an excuse to talk to someone, like that's a great excuse and it usually spreads around and it usually ends up with them like getting cake or like free drink. <laughs> so like it's never, it's like that's- just a so funny. the least harmful prank possible and just yeah. confused like it's not just confused. my birthday <laughs> but i feel special that's really funny oh okay wait final question and then we'll move on from this segment <laughs> from our from our super super quick and easy 20 minute segment okay shoshana final question princess diana is the people's princess who is the people's court jester Ooh. Mm. Oh, great question. Thank you. Ooh, that's tough. Um, let me think. First, like for I would say, like, do they have do, they can be living or dead? Yes. Because Diana it just who's dead. the people's court jester? The people's court jester. Um, I'm like Rodney Dangerfield, maybe. <laughs> yeah. The first person that comes to mind. Okay, that works for me. Uh, maybe like, maybe like, uh, um, no, that she's too weird. I was going to say like Maria oh. Bamford, but I feel like oh, you need someone no, like if you're going to be like, yeah, yeah. Larry David. She was one of my first introductions to like different styles of comedy yeah she's one of my favorite comedians say i took a lot of notes from her um from her interviews when she was like i just keep walking her. i keep like a notepad on me and whenever a thought hits me I swear, and i'm like mm-hmm. that's so of course like why not you've seen her the lady lady dynamite yes her tv show oh it's so good like her humor is just like it kills me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like it hits me in the head. And I'm like, oh, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> she toured through Winston-Salem, North Carolina when I was in college. Yeah. yeah. And it was one of those things where it's like, well, I'm going to get tickets because why is she here? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I would say Maria Bamford because she also does that thing on Twitter where she's like, Hey, I'm working a bit. Does anyone, the first person who responds, jump with me on zoom and has a one-on-one with like a random person to work out bits. That's abs. I think you found the correct answer. I think this is one of the first times Mm. in academia IQ test history where we've have a correct answer. (laughs) There's no wrong answer, but there is a correct one. There's a right one. Yeah. That's a, that's a good way to go about life. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) No wrong answer, but there is always the way to do it that everyone agrees, right? Yes. Well, Shoshana, you passed with flying colors, my friend. That last one solidified it, yeah. Yeah. We were on the fence before. We were we were texting yeah. the whole time. Fair. <laughs> yeah, you can see our hands in view, but somehow. That's where I, I live on the fence. That's where I'm most comfortable. <laughs> on the Aww. fence is your your follow-up special. <laughs> yeah. The- <laughs> Well, okay, so I think it's that time of the podcast, the classic halfway point where we ask you, 
<laughs> our central question, Shoshana, we here at Academia, we set out to answer one question and one question only. And that is, what has academia ignored for too long? Mm. Mm. Um, and I would like to say uh, stage combat. Totally. Mm. Okay. Totally. No one's okay. talking about it. No. Only a few select people even know what it is. It, it took yeah. – this is the first year ever that you can vote in the SAG Awards for stunt performers. No oh. way. That's amazing. It's been so long. That's That's crazy. amazing. Yeah. And not actually not even performers, just like stunts in general. They're like the stunts in this movie, not even a particular like person. Although I assume it's like the choreographer. Yeah. So something that popped up on my feed recently on Twitter was, I think it's Tom Cruise. I forget what movie, but he, where he goes down that huge ramp on a motorcycle and then has to let go of the motorcycle and like fly over this I, canyon I it's, thing. It's the most recent uh, Mission Impossible. That's insane. The adrenaline, the mm -hmm. trust that you have and the team that set this up to, to go perfectly and not injure yourself. But that is, oh, and who, um, not to bring up Shia LaBeouf. But when he was in Transformers <laughs> and he tried to do a stunt and broke his shoulder or something like that, I feel like there's just so much yeah. trust that you have to have in yourself and the and the set and everything to even want to to do something like that. So to be awarded, yeah, yeah, that's it's about I time. Agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think there should be a whole like choreographer yes category because th there's no there's not even a choreographer category like for dance and movement and thing, which I think is. Okay, so can you tell us about your experience with stage combat? Why is this top of mind for you? Mm -hmm. uh, so I've been studying stage combat for, I really got into it, I would say around like 2008, 2009. Cool. Oh. So, so quite a long time. I've done some choreography myself. Um, I personally love it because I love violence, but I hate hurting people. <sighs> Oh so, my God. I mean, that's the sweet spot. <laughs> yeah. That is a gorgeous statement. And I, I see you, I hear you, yeah. and I agree. Alexi's never felt more seen. <laughs> no, I love violence, but I hate hurting people. Yeah, because there's, there's something so like just from an acting point of view, yeah. from a fit, being physically in your body, from yep. un understanding like like – scientifically physiologically what happens to you when you're harmed or when you're dying or when you hurt someone else is just so fascinating for me um and and i it's a it's an art form i would say an art form uh that goes back it's i would say it's really sort of an ancient art form yes. because anytime you have performance which is like that's what humans do um, you have portrayals of violence because that's also something that humans do. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you can really find like ancient records of what they did for their version of stage combat going back like, I don't know, probably 50,000 years. Like I'm sure like the Aboriginals yeah. in Australia had like incredible stage shows that had amazing stage violence, like I'm <laughs> sure. And, and I like things that are ancient and still around <laughs> today. And, and a lot of the things that they did, it's not that much different, which I also find mm -hmm. really fascinating. 
Yeah. When you get into stunts and movies, you know, that's yeah. different. But as far as stage stuff, it's not really that much different than what they were doing, you know, possibly thousands of years ago. Because when you said stage combat, my mind didn't immediately go to stunts. My mind went to swords. Mm, yeah. And like on stage, like Shakespearean yes. sword play. And that it's like it, it that doesn't necessarily, at least in my POV, like doesn't evolve. Like you you master the sword play, and that's what it was in medieval times, and that's what it is now. Yeah, and that's that's such an interesting point to bring up because sort of the stage combat that we do now, mm-hmm. sort of when you think of like Broadway and stage and things like that. It, you can trace a direct line back to Shakespeare performances. Cool. And there's like, there's definitely other stuff out there and there's definitely like, but kind of in, if you're talking about like American stage combat, mm-hmm. it's really kind of a straight line back to what Shakespeare was doing. Um, Cause they were, they existed in this really interesting time period where it was a transition from swords to guns Oh, and from swords the, to guns is a really good book title. That is a good book title. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is a good. Ooh, Write it down. Ooh, I got a little tingly Your book there. on stage yeah. combat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. From swords to guns, because uh, there's a. So um, you may have heard of a sword called a rapier. Yes. Um, that's like what you think of uh, with like musketeer fighting, um, a little bit like Shakespearean fighting. So that sword really only existed for about maybe mm, like 75, a hundred years. Oh, wow. And because before then most swords were just a variation of, we call kind of like a long sword or a broad sword, like a single handed, sometimes double handed, thick, sharp, sharp on both sides, sharp on the top sword. Like what you would think of if you drew a sword. And that sword goes, if you've got a sword culture, it goes all the way back to like ancient Roman times. Not every culture is a sword culture. Like you have like, like Japan has a sword culture. A lot of places in Europe and Northern Africa have a sword culture, but other places have more sort of like spear, arrow. Oh, interesting. Knife, hand to hand. Not everyone had a sword. And it really depended on your access to digging deep in the earth and pulling out metals. And if like, if those metals were where you are, and if you wanted to bang on a thing all day and yeah, yeah, like those sorts of things. I know that what you're talking about is like real and historical and practical. But <laughs> as you're saying this, my mind is like, oh, like Hunger Games. Like Hunger I want, Games, Game of Thrones, yeah. Districts has access to a different resource. I mean, yeah, but yes, <laughs> like <laughs> I mean, well, because they're by the water, they use a spear because fish. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like Suzanne Collins, she knows what she, she was did doing. research. No, it like it, it makes so much sense. So, like, cult, like the cultural signifiers. It's also like the dedication to violence to to source these materials and know that you're going to use it for this purpose or maybe even protection. And I think that there is a because when you were talking about like loving violence but not wanting to hurt people, I think that there is so many like to, like when I hear violence there's so many just um things underneath that that encompass it and it's like there's defense um there it, it's not just like you're on the attack for violence to happen or it's just like the heightening of a moment cuz I do feel that in me, whether it's like a play or book or um, 
a movie or something. I think that to dance or to have to fight to so, to somehow incorporate your body and st- I, words are no longer of use. Yeah, this now needs to be conveyed through our bodies in mm. some way. Is so gorgeous, especially like, if you're like an anime watcher and you're watching the new season of Jujutsu Kaisen. They have animated the fights so beautifully that Ooh. it's like yeah it's all hands all hands nobody <laughs> nobody's worried about the words anymore we're not talking it's just violence just straight up uh fight scenes and it's so gorgeous i uh, yeah i totally yes i exactly and there's something so truthful about it yeah and like you can't you brought up such a great thing because one of my favorite things about stage combat is it's it's like sort of that ultimate form of when they say that like theater is a lie that tells the truth Mm -hmm. and if you've heard that that statement before or like you're um so much of stage combat is so far from actual combat because what you're really doing is you're telling a story and when you take away words and you only have your body, it's like the, you have to be so truthful in the lie that you're telling. Yeah. And it's like, you can't, your, your body tells the story. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever done any, um, like fighting sports, like boxing or uh, jiu-jitsu or. Cause I was going to say, Shana, Alexi has a lot of experience with like stage theater and independently a lot of experience boxing. So I feel like oh, this cool. exists in Alexi's. <laughs> oh, amazing. Yeah. I did. Um, I did Taekwondo in college cool. all through college. I did Taekwondo. And then after college, I did a little bit of Krav Maga. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. Now for, for, I know, I know the difference between those two, but like for people who are listening <laughs> and might not know the difference, maybe what, what is that? What? <laughs> so uh taekwondo is a uh korean yes korean martial art okay um it is uh i think it technically translates to like hand and feet oh love. so it's like the way the way to use your hands and feet uh is taekwondo um it's it's a martial art uh the martial art is a kind of umbrella term that covers you using your body as as a weapon. Got it. Okay. Um, you can have some like hand weapons, but it's not like you're not shooting a bow and arrow. You're not uh, firing a gun. Oh, rapiers. Yes. Yeah. 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 And what's the difference between Taekwondo and Krav Maga? Uh, Krav Maga is uh, is uh, an Ara- Israeli martial art. So it was okay. actually developed by the Israeli police. Oh. Uh, and it's really awesome (laughs) and (laughs) violent and actually like a very effective self-defense technique. A lot of martial arts, especially like when they've been westernized, they're really kind of like a workout routine. You're not really going to like use self-defense with it so much. I mean, you can, but like, Krav Maga is like li- literally in one of my first classes, the guy was like, okay, if you want to use this for self-defense, rule number one, if someone, like if you're getting mugged or whatever, someone's doing that, give them whatever they want and walk away. Like mm. that's 
you're not, that's not what this is about. This isn't about like being a hero, but if someone is like taking you to a second location, is someone is like act, Mm -hmm. use, use this. And it's really a lot of like, get in close and hit them with your elbows. Yeah. It's like the the number one thing or like, distract someone with something and then get in and hit them with your elbows. Here's another way where you can get in close and hit someone with your elbows. Like it's a really like sort of practical martial art. My main experience with boxing and wrestling um, and all the the coaches that I've had have have been like, this is, this is like last resort. My parents made it very clear. Like you, you do not instigate anything. Mm-hmm. It is purely for defense. And it is like, you need to get out of there as soon as possible. Because when people hear that you can fight, it's like, Oh, okay, cool. Then like they try to, people, some people think it's a little fun, like jokey poking thing. And it's like, no, there's a lot of like, um, reason to have self-defense in the way that the world is at all yeah. times, but just like, especially living in big cities. And I've also, um, I'll throw capoeira into the mix, which is a Brazilian Ooh, uh, martial yeah. arts form that is like acrobatic, like dancing and fighting. Capoeira is so amazing. The history of that. Yes. Oh, it's Watching so cool. videos of people do that. How can you manipulate your body so perfectly? I mm. just, I don't understand. One of my favorite concepts from capoeira, I've only ever taken a couple of classes on it, but it's this idea of uh, negativa. So like there's like positive and, and negative, but like in our culture, there's this idea that like negative is a bad thing, but the concept of negativa is you're just filling the empty space. Gorgeous. Like, yeah. Like I love that so much. So it's like, I'm not opposite you. Mm -hmm. I'm not bad and you're good. I'm not, you're just this space and I'm filling the empty space. That's so interesting. Cause I think they have Capoeira on like street fighter. Like you can choose to use that. There's an episode of Bob's burgers where he's, where Bob does a Capoeira class. Oh yes. The yeah. Capoeira episode. <laughs> well, and that also I find very funny because they're, depiction of the capoeira teacher was so accurate that's <laughs> like like white guys with dreads have like <laughs> taken over capoeira in the states and like that's who your teacher is gonna be gross y'all i want to say like if you're i don't like to stereotype but if your capoeira teacher is a white guy with dreads like run Go. that guy is i'm talking you're about yoga healthy. yeah <gasps> yes yes if you're if your yoga teacher is a white woman with dreads run yeah i'm out i'm out i can't be there i'm sorry it's gonna be a toxic environment it's gonna be bad my most recent yoga teacher was a white woman who might as well have had dreads she <laughs> but she was like in her 60s so it was like kind of okay her name was heather with an o I'm obsessed with Heather with an O. Where is the O? Heather? <laughs> Heather. Oh, Heather. Not Heather. Um, <laughs> tramp stamp tattoo was obsessed. She was a deadhead. She um, said awesome sauce unironically. Would quote SNL, like Will Ferrell era SNL sketches while we were doing yoga. I, I like was going to her class to like study her. It was like the yoga was secondary. The character study was first. (laughs) Wow. I kind of love her. Yeah. It got to the point where I was like, I can't keep paying money to watch Heather in her space. (laughs) But my God, if I could. (laughs) 
I think that's a very good point, though. Like, the teacher of, especially, like, you talked about, Shoshana, the westernizing of combat and yes. combat yeah, sports, yeah. or how we even call them combat sports, and sometimes they're martial arts or what have you. I don't know the name origin, like, the origin of who named what what, but yeah, I think that, I like, know. having a teacher who has a roots with that, with whatever form you're learning, is very important because it's, like, especially, like, having someone tell you, like, this is not for fighting, this is for, like, this is absolute if you have to, is very important because I do feel like we, we love the I I don't really know what it is about the idea of violence that like people are like give me give me I want it um because well, it's universal blood. it's universal and it's everywhere but it feels a little inaccessible because it's so like well, we shouldn't engage with this but yet we do near constantly it's like sex and violence those are two things that everyone's yeah. like obsessed with but feels um ashamed to talk about I once produced a show called Sex and Violence that was a, <laughs> it was a, uh, like a, um, variety show where it was, uh, fights and then a burlesque routine that was Shut like kind of based up. on the, yeah, it was a really fun show. So we had like a shake, like a fight from Shakespeare and then the burlesque show was like a Shakespeare character doing a burlesque routine or then we'd have, yeah, it was a really fun show. That's yeah. sick. <laughs> Oh my God, bring it back. That's phenomenal. <laughs> Shoshana, do you have like favorite um, stunts or stage combat moments that you've had on stage or on screen? Ooh, yeah, wait, I want to know your personal experience with stage combat. Uh, yeah, so I, um, I got into it uh, after, after college. Um, I had moved to Philadelphia and I was doing... Um, well, what really got me into it is so interesting because it's really what you said, Alexi, about like no, taking your voice away. So in 2009, uh, I had thyroid cancer. Oh, wow. Um, you can, I don't know if you can, I've got, I healed, they put me back together very well. You can barely see the scar. Um, but when you, so I had to have my thyroid removed. Um, full recovery, I'm fine. I'm all good. Mm-hmm, um, but the surgery, um, is very close to your vocal, to the nerves that control your vocal cords. So there's a very small chance that like, if they get nicked or bruised, it will permanently damage your voice. Mm -hmm. Um, and at that point, like I was an actor, I was doing like a two person fast paced comedy routine. So it was all, all words, like little bit of body movement, but all words. And so kind of in dealing with this fact that like, this might be a thing that happens to me. I was like, all right, well, I have to figure out how to use my body. Yeah. And that's really what made me start focusing in stage combat because it just like, you have to fully exist in your body. You have to use your body to tell a story. Um, and I think that's really what sort of pushed me to getting really, really into it. So I've had a lot of fun experiences. Honestly, one of my favorite things to do in stage combat is uh, blood stuff. Yeah. Um, because it's so surprising and so ridiculous, um, but also can be very, very affecting, uh, to an audience because like, we don't often see blood outside of the body, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. at least not out of outside of like private areas. Like you don't usually see, yeah. let me put it this way. You don't usually see other people's blood. I'm like, yeah. honey, I'm seeing blood. I'm seeing blood all the time. Yeah. I see my own <laughs> blood all the time, but you don't often see other people's blood yeah, yeah. outside of their body. Uh, and so we have like a really visceral reaction 
to it. True. Yeah. True. And, and I did, um, I did choreography for this show called, uh, Shakespeare in the land of the dead. And the premise of it was that during the Shakespeare's production of, uh, I think it was like Henry five or mm-hmm. something. Um, there's a zombie outbreak genius. And so, yeah. And so these Shakespearean actors, including Shakespeare himself have to like defend <laughs> themselves in the globe theater it's just like Station Eleven. <laughs> yes, exactly. But yeah, um, so that show had a lot of blood, a lot of like mm-hmm. the. It was one of those shows we were like, the front row has to have plastic <sighs> sheeting because there's some. We use two gallons of blood per show. Yeah. Ooh. But I, I had I rigged up this device where it was like a bladder, which was yeah. like um, I think we ended up using like a squeegee bottle with a tube hooked up to it and the tube was wrapped around the body and then hooked into a thing around their neck. So when they got slashed at the neck, they could like, <gasps> Oh yeah. Yep. 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 Alexi, you got to tell Shoshana about splatter. Oh, I was in a show. There's a show that happens at the annoyance theater every year. Um, it is the oh. show that I think one of their, that open theater. Sorry if I'm wrong. We can ape your don't. It's been don't going on me. for like decades. Shoshana, like this is a sketch comedy yeah. horror show. That's like oh, tradition in Chicago. I love it. This year I was the the um, end girl, final the girl. Lead. Um, hey, the lead. Yes. The lead. Alexi Bolden. girl. Incredible. And la- when I saw the show for the first, it is – so the the – I don't know if it's the point of the show, but the thing that happens every year is they just try to make it bloodier and bloodier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a blood master. Like there's somebody who's in there's charge of it. There's a blood master. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. You literally yes. – we had one on that show too because you literally like – I don't know how they do it in Splatter, but you have these things called like blood packs, yep. which basically yep. you can make – do they use Ziploc or like Ziploc bag? not Ziploc bags, but like little – like the plastic sandwich baggies. Um, for some of them, some of the deaths were so intricate that like, like there is a death where somebody's hand goes in a blender and it, like, that Ooh, happens. Amazing. There's one where someone gets stabbed over like the wall and they just like the blood goes down the wall. It And it's like when you are behind the scenes and you've had months of rehearsals and you see like every the blood, like planning it, it's so much more, uh, it's, easy, it's easier to stomach. When you yeah. see, when you know what's going to happen when you know how much is coming out. Some of the <laughs> some of the the deaths were so gruesome that people in the audience were just like looking away and like holding their face because it's just so. It is the idea of, like the blood is supposed to be inside of your body. Now I'm seeing it. I <laughs> yeah. watched this violence happen. It's and it's on stage, but just the it's the thought, the idea of this being real that it's just I gotta look away. Well, and Splatter uses an all white set, and the cast is entirely in white. <gasps> And so it's Incredible. cool to watch. It's a really wow. fun show. Oh, that's yeah. so. Next time I'm in Chicago, I gotta yeah, go. You Chicago gotta run see. Halloween. It's really good. That. Yeah, that sounds amazing. At first, when I started the production, I was like, you know, I don't really want to get bloody. Like, I, it's really hard to get out of my hair with the braids and all. Oh, it's and yeah, so I was oh, like, I don't want to do that. And then, like the the more shows went on, I was like, no, I need to get as <laughs> bloody as possible. This is so much fun. It was just so much fun. I think it's a cool thing too for like. 
like comedians and people who are used to like improv and sketch comedy to take the time to put like purpose and effort like that into something where it's like, no, this has to be so intentional and so, so produced. intentional. That's yeah. the thing about theater and stage combat is yes. the first time I ever did it was in college because we did Crucible. And oh, yeah. I, it used to irritate me because I was Tichuba, obviously. Um, <sighs> not obviously. We had a very diverse guest. But um, <laughs> I, used to, <laughs> I used to think the idea of stage combat was just like, oh, you know, like we just practiced this a couple of times. And it isn't until that first time where you get like injured a little bit or like okay we didn't do this correctly we could have spent more time on this that really sets in like this there's a lot of time and intentionality and also red light green light uh yellow light just you need to check in with your scene partners before like within fight call and everything because you want to make it look so real for the audience but if it becomes real for you (laughs) that's a problem yeah and it and the audience can tell Mm -hmm. they can see and then they start getting worried about the actor rather than the character. Yeah. Yeah. And then everything's pulled out. You have to take care of each other. You have to take care of your audience. Like that's, that's it. The the other thing I find so interesting about stage combat uh, is a lot of times when you're doing really any kind of combat, but mostly when you're doing unarmed or knife, something Mm -hmm. where you're like really in close proximity, the closer you are to your partner, physically and the more you support them the more real it looks and the safer the safer you are and there's something so beautiful to me about like so much of close hand-to-hand stage combat is literally just like cradling (laughs) someone so lifting them supporting them really working together as as a team, which like you should be doing all the time in acting. But when you throw stage combat in, it really shows you like, oh no, I am here to support and yes. keep this other person safe. Yeah. I was going to say, have you, is there a show that you've seen that the stage combat stuck out to you? Ooh, um, on, um, so like movies, I love John Wick 3. I don't Ooh, know if you've seen yeah. the third John Wick non all like almost too much (laughs) combat like at some point I was like maybe they should stop and like just have a conversation they haven't spoken in 45 minutes for a little while (laughs) yes literally like non-stop fighting yeah like and and the fights are all interesting and they're all different and like oof such good fights in that movie um on stage, well, honestly, one of my favorite things on stage to see is a really good face slap. <gasps> okay. So yes. they're so common and they're, they're almost one of the hardest moves to do well. But when you do it effectively, they are so effective. You can feel it across the audience when you mm-hmm. see and because that's something – A lot of us haven't, you know, it's pretty rare for humans to engage in actual violence. Like even if we do a sport or like you, you know, you wrestle with your siblings or or like you have some fights in high school, but like really like you, it's pretty rare, fortunately, Mm -hmm. um, or, or at least to like 
even if you've experienced it, it's weird to like see it out yeah. in the world. Um, like but if you do it in a controlled setting, if you see it outside, it's still like, oh, this this is not in my controlled setting where I usually see it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but a face slap, we kind of all know and understand and can like imagine what that feels like. Um, but there's like a, a kind of a common, fortunately not as common as it used to be, but a lot of times like bad stage combat instructors or like people who don't really know what they're doing will be like, Oh, it's just, just slap them for real. Yeah. Just oh. do a face slap for right. Yeah. What? No, mm-hmm. don't ever what? everyone. If there's one thing you can learn from this, <laughs> from this podcast, do not do a real face slap. Don't, don't hit do your coworkers. It not worth it. Um, mainly because like, I think people don't understand how actually dangerous a face slap can be because like, it's not just your face. There's your eye, there's your Mm. ear, there's your nose, there's your mouth. You can knock someone's jaw, your neck, you can knock someone's jaw, you can box someone's ears, which I didn't, I didn't know what that meant until I did stage combat. Like I'd heard mm-hmm. about it. Like you're like, that's what like Dickensian yeah. orphans, <laughs> that's, is it like where you pull on their ear? No, it's when you slap your ear and create a suction and you literally like almost pop the person's eardrum. You can make them go deaf. It's terrible, terrible yeah. thing to do. Terrible. to you. <laughs> But it's also like how you couldn't even hear that in the back of the, I guess if, depending on how many seats the theater has, if you're slapping someone for real, like, what's the point? you can't even, no. you, yeah, like I want, I want to hear that stage slap. It, yeah. And that's the other thing is it's uh, the stage version is better than the real version. Yes. Like you're going to exactly like the sound is going to be better. Visually, it's going to be better. You don't have your actor like flinching up before yeah. the slap every night. Um, and there, and there are many techniques to do a good stage slap and and you can teach them. And, but it's also my favorite because it's really the most like a magic trick. Like you're literally the, what you, the mechanics you are doing to make a stage slap are so far from an actual face slap. But then when you see it in the audience, it looks and sounds so real. I love that magic trick of it. it. it almost does feel cartoony when you're like practicing that moment. <laughs> yeah. It's like, is the, am I making this too big? Or, or and also when you are, it, it is a little. It's I guess that's the rehearsal of it all. But when you know that your character has to engage in combat, like when you know you're about to, um, whether it's like. Um, to use the crucible again, whether it's like the, the prison scene moment where we're like, you're, we're wrestling against the chains to not brace for that. And to just be in the moment of like, okay, I've trusted that we've done this for so long that like my actor brain can kind of take over to like stay in the moment and know that it, it's, it's almost contradictory. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to be in the moment as this actor and respond to the truth of what's on stage. And I know that I'm also about to engage in some stage combat, which is not real violence, but it's, it looks like it. And so how do I like keep, in the character brain, keeping the actor brain while um, engaging in this almost like cartoony, um, big movements, stage combat. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, and like as an actor doing it, it's so fun and so fascinating. And, and I feel makes my act regular acting better. Like I've taken a lot of stuff, lessons I've learned in stage combat and, I can apply it to regular acting. I just, so this weekend I just finished doing, um, the LA sleigh, which is the, (laughs) it was actually LA's first 
stage combat workshop. Oh, first? Right. Which, right? So here's the thing. Here, what? I don't know if this is true, but the room, but, <laughs> okay. but the, the scuttlebutt is- It was somebody's that, birthday so there's, and it was the first- It was somebody's birthday. That's right. It was, actually, well, that's actually where that prank started. That's oh. another, I'll tell you that story Huge. later. So, um, so there's a, a, a um, something called the SAFD, which is the Society of American Fight Directors. Um, and that has been primarily East Coast- maybe a little bit into Chicago. Um, and it's been around, I think since like the sixties, maybe the fifties. Um, it was started like really in New York, like Broadway, that kind of stage stuff. And they were kind of the first people to like codify what is stage combat? What is a stage choreographer? Um, but at the same time out on the West coast, movie stunts were happening, which are a very, I would say a very different form of like there, there are some crossovers, but what you do for film and TV ends up being very different than what you would ever do on stage. So apparently the story is that sometime in the seventies, maybe early eighties, a bunch of SAFD people from the East coast went out to the West coast and were like, you all don't know what you're doing. We are real stage combat. And just like, pissed off all of like the Hollywood people. And they're like, we hate USAFD, no stage combat. (laughs) Get out of here. We're all stunt performers now. This is the next season of Feud. Yeah. So now, really in the last like 10 years, there's sort of been like a reclamation between the two groups. I don't even know if it's still there yet. Like there's still people out there in the stunt world out here who's like, that's it. Like, get out of here with your weird, with your stage combat. That's so <laughs> like, funny. Like, with your fake yeah. fighting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we use real martial artists, which, like, fair enough, they do. Yeah. Like, uh, because when you're doing it for stage, you're doing it over and over and over again. You're and doing over eight shows. Over. Yeah, you're doing eight shows a week. Out here, you're only doing something once or twice. So you can be a little. Yeah, more dangerous. It's also you the can difference get- between like being able to swap in a professional and for the stage having to train an actor to do it themselves. Oh, true, true. That's another really big thing. You're so right. Is you, you like you don't have stunt performers no. on the stage. No. It's the actors yeah. doing it all. Uh, was it the Spider-Man musical a couple of years ago where things went terribly wrong? People died. Ooh, they were real bad. Yeah, that was real bad. That w- people are still talking about mm-hmm. that. I can imagine that. Like that is, like you know how just when you go into a new theater or something, people are like, "There's ghost stories here." That's that's a ghost story of like <laughs> yeah. that theater. Like forever will be a Spider-Man ghost rumored around the halls 50 years from now literally 50 60 years from now people are gonna be like did you hear yeah yeah uh, i was there wait okay so tell me about the the convention oh yeah oh the conference yeah so i i just finished uh this whole weekend it was friday saturday sunday um a stage combat workshop and it was really interesting because they really tried to combine like a little bit from the safd and then also from the stunt world and from the the combat, the stage and screen combat world out here. Um, and so it was really fun to see like the differences and the, and the sim- similarities and, and all that. I did um, one of my favorite classes I took was uh, they did one on sumo. 
Ooh. Yeah, it was so cool. So there was a show they did it. I think it was Loyola University called Sumo. um, And they got like people who had actually studied Sumo and then figured out how to do it safely for uh, for the the stage. That rules. Um, So, yeah, it was so great because you really got like a good history of it. um, And then like the... um, the ritual behind it and then a little bit about like the actual combat and then how to make show that yeah. on stage. I think that's what I'm so impressed of like with all you've been talking this full episode. It's like not just the physicality. It's not just the choreography. I really appreciate the history and the knowledge that you bring to it. Cause I think yeah. it's like almost yep, yep, yep. reckless to engage in it without knowing the history. I, I, I totally agree. And you like, it is always better to get the people who have experienced it Mm -hmm. to do a thing yeah like the audience even if they don't know they know yeah they can tell when something's inauthentic like yeah you can tell and it just the impact that it has when you do something correctly like to do something where you have like people with real action it just the difference is astronomical like huge and it's also like it things violence fights all this stuff they look so quick and like things happen so fast but becoming proficient at that thing takes so many hours Mm -hmm. and again the choreography of learning how to punch or learning how to grapple with someone or how to actually like do a chokehold like genuinely for real or get out of a a movement it just these things take so long and so much practice like when you can pull it off it's like chef's kiss You've done mm. it. All the hours are paid off. All that that back work and time and knowledge, genuinely knowledge, because it it takes so long to actually get it. And when you look at yourself in the mirror doing things, it's like, okay, I look so stupid and amateur <laughs> <laughs> until you get to the moment of proficiency. And then there's always like there's there's like a black belt and stuff and and, and fighting sports, but I feel like there's no cap of learning yeah. in the in these things, which is so fantastic. And also, shout out to my mother, Lucy Liu, um, does her own stunts. That woman is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's really impressive. Yeah. It's very impressive. Well, I took one of the other classes I took was they were talking about so like if you get an actor who knows how to move and how to fight, the stunt directors are like so happy about that because the the more you can use the actual actor the easier it is for everyone you don't have to shoot around you don't have to like now they will I will say a lot of times actors say they do their own stunts and yes that is true however (laughs) (laughs) true asterisks well like there is also most likely a stunt double for Lucy Lou because there are, and, and even Tom Cruise at like simply because you, you don't want to risk the actor. Like wow. if that actor injures themselves, your whole production yeah. shuts down. If the storm performer injures themselves, you can kind of keep going with Production. Have we seen the documentary about the stunt performer from Harry Potter? No. No, but I would love to see that. That's a fascinating yeah. story what? and sad. I, I think it was produced what? by Daniel Wait, Radcliffe. Harry I think Stubble? Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. He was either paralyzed. Like there was something. He I, was paralyzed. I, paralyzed. Okay. I don't, a, yeah, I it was seen on it. a, um, it was a, 
oh, I can't remember what you call it, but you're basically like hooked up to a tether and they like pull you back. Mm -hmm. Like if you're blown back by magic power or an explosion or something like that and uh, something went wrong in it and it like went way too fast. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I have enough like education or experience within this field to like speak on the morality of it, but there is something that just like peaks in my brain when we say like, we don't want to risk the actor, but we're willing to risk the stunt person. And where it's like, I, I think it's like very gray zone for me, but it does just yeah. sort of like peak a little alarm bell. It's It was very interesting to hear the stunt performers talk yeah. in these classes. And they're like, they're like, yeah, your job, your job is to get beat up. That's your job. You, you get, hmm. you get beat up every day. That's your job. Yeah. Or like I took this amazing class called, um, uh, fighting in heels. <gasps> oh, cool. Um, oh, yeah, my God. So <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it was so Send me the notes. good. Yeah. I, yeah. It was so fascinating because the, uh, the woman who taught it, her name escapes me right now. I should know it. It's not Kay Jenny Jones. Carrie. I gotta, I gotta remember. I'll look it up. I'll, I'll email can, you the name later. The yeah. You can put it in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but she's like, I'm a stunt performer. I am stunt performing, like I'm filling in for like women. They, I'm dressed in like a bikini and heels. Mm-hmm. I have nowhere to put padding. I have, yeah. I have to like do rolls. I have to do jumps. I have to run all while wearing heels because that's like what they dress the actress in. And that's- I have to wear the same clothes. Bringing truth to that moment. Cause it's like, I do feel, I, un- I feel that that people, that people go into this field knowing that this is a risk and knowing that this is um, what they have to do. So like, I'm a little like, I think you understand what your job is to do when you're a stunt performer. And I think that you know that you are standing for the actor. Um, so I, I'm like, I think the morality on that, like when you are consenting to do it is different than if like we like had somebody who we weren't sure about um, because you have put so much time into it. I, I feel, yeah. It's so interesting because they're like, this is our job. We know this is our job. Yeah. Um, but then it's on the performers themselves to develop ways to protect themselves. Yeah, so because yeah, because like the studio's not going to do it. There, you have to, and I feel like that's kind of where the moral area is. Her, where like yeah. it would be great if there was, and like kind of like kind of like what SAG does for actors or what, and there is a. Um, I think there are a couple of stunt unions. Um, but, uh, but yeah, to have like somebody else who's like, Hey, you can't, well, I mean, a great example is what just happened on the set of rust. And that was like, you're using non-union people. They were working people too many hours. They <sighs> didn't have like proper protections. It's very, very similar to the same situation that happened um, that killed, um, Bruce Lee's, yeah, Bruce Lee's son. What's his, Oh, wow. Kind of the same situation. They like fired their original, uh, props master. They brought in a non-union person. They were, this is for, um, uh, it was the crow, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I believe yeah. So. Um, different than Russ, but like, apparently like, well, a, they were using real guns with, um, uh, uh, like powder bullets, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shoot, I'm like my brain's not working this morning. <laughs> That's okay. Um, uh, with blanks, blanks. Yes. With using blanks, 
which is still very dangerous because blanks still have gunpowder. They still have shrapnel. You can still be really hurt by, by a blank. Um, and then they were just like keeping them in the glove compartment of a car God. at night, like not properly. Where's the safety? Story. Yeah. Yes. Where's the safety? Because this is the yes. highest level of entertainment. You would think that there are some checks and balances. And I, I understand with that. It's like you trust the studio and the people working on this project to protect you as the stunt person. So that's when I do see like, that's when it's like, why are you not protecting people that you want to pull off the job that you have and is there any way that you can make them safer a hundred percent you've got the budget (laughs) you've got the budget yeah exactly yeah and and really just like making it a priority money wise because i do feel like it ties into this like deeply ingrained maybe a little subconscious feeling of like it's art. I have to sacrifice myself for the art. Yeah. And to me, like it's reminiscent of like intimacy training like that. I have more experience with like intimacy coordination than like stage combat. And it's like, it feels very similar to me of like, I've been in scenarios where it's like, well, you two can just kiss each other. And then it's like, oh, well, there's a lot of steps that need to be Mm. locked down for this. And then I've had flip side where like, we choreograph even like my facial expressions in like an intimate moment. Like I've had the full gambit of it and it feels very similar of like, we should dismiss any precautions here because it's like, it's art. We're just like playing it fast and loose. We're sacrificing ourselves for the art when like, that's not safe or healthy for people. Nor health. I think I'm now in a space um, because I've had so much experience with Mm -hmm. just theater and the arts in general that whenever there isn't like if there's fighting a fight director or like choreographer for um, intimacy or anything, I'm like, okay, this might not be a production that I'm interested in doing because you're not protecting anybody here. Yes. I remember like one of the big productions at my school and college, there was a huge makeout scene and they were just like, well, you guys can just rehearse it on your own, right? Um, And the actor, the students were like, because they're both grad students, they were like, no, we're not doing this on our own. We, you're hiring an intimacy uh, director mm-hmm. for this. Yeah. I, I am so happy that intimacy coordination has become a thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's one of the most positive changes that has happened in in Hollywood and uh, and, 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 and for stage as well. Because I think it comes back to the same thing as the face slap. Like, Absolutely. The safe way is actually the better way. It's going to look better. The yes. me as a performer, I will go so much further when I know I am safe. Yes. Than than if I'm not. Mm-hmm. Yes. And like if you want something to be more visceral, more real, more sexy, more like make me feel safe and then I will go so far for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But only if I know that like everything is safe. It's sort of like opposite in our the way our brain has been trained to think yeah exactly and I feel like that's applicable to many many other things other than (laughs) stage combat yeah like turns out if you make people feel safe and comfortable everything is better what a beautiful thesis statement done signed sealed delivered (laughs) thesis that was gorgeous I think with that it's time to wrap it up. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. This was so cool. What a great idea for a podcast. Oh, thank you. 
What a fantastic topic. It's not quite done yet. We have one last segment. Oh boy. And then and then we'll let you compliment us nonstop off okay. the air. <laughs> well, we do have to stop recording though, or else our egos will fill the room. So we have to we have to do that off air. Yeah. But but just our last segment here is called the valedictorian speech. We have achieved such academic grace today that it's only right for us to take a moment to to give some gratitude to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so without further ado, Alexi, do you have anything? Yeah. Shoshana, were you ever the valedictorian of a school or student body or anything like that? Oh, good question. <laughs> no. No, it's okay. Neither <laughs> were we. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> this is sort of us like vicariously living through that moment again. <laughs> for having not, it. Yeah, exactly. So without further ado, here I go. Finally, the valedictorian of something. <clears throat> take the take the podium. Class of 2024. Mm. I look out into the crowd and I see I see the performers of tomorrow. I see the ones who are gonna make our sets safe, our performers safe. Mm. And I want to take this moment. To thank the prop masters out there, and the fight directors, and the stunt doubles, and the PAs, the people behind the scenes that make the magic possible. All of you know who you are. You are doing God's work by uplifting this production. Whatever production it is, there are no small parts. Everything you do is adding to the greatness of this production. So I leave this with you, Class of 2024. Everything you do in life is a part of the greater production. There is no small moment. Everything you do is leading you to the next to make your lights go up, center stage, walk stage left, stage right, and deliver your performance. I leave you with that. Love you. Bye. Woo! That was really good. Wow. Wow. I think that would be like quoted in like school hall of fames. Put me in the backstage handbook. Yeah. The (laughs) almanac. I just got one of those. It's crazy. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I will take the floor. The floor. Lucy Porter is yours. Class of 2024. (laughs) I'm humbled and honored to be speaking to you today. I look out on this group and I see a lot of people who are going to enter the world and encounter a lot of violence, a lot Mm. of sex, a lot of truth. And in order to engage with the violence, the sex, the truth of the world, you need to prepare yourself for a better performance. You can only access that performance day to day by preparing, by engaging in choreography, by taking the time to remove your emotions and your volatility from it and approach these things with a clear clinical mind with a sense of theatricality. And then Mm. and only then, class of 2024, will you access the real sex, violence, and truth that this is all about. Thank you. Thank you. If this segment has taught me anything, it's that cadence is more important than words. (laughs) Talk about it. If you say anything (laughs) slow enough, it sounds important. Exactly. If you like take a breath... And then you follow up. It's like, yeah, that's genius. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes if you say things in the right cadence, they 
become funny. Oh, hey, I'm sitting here you cracking guys, up. You guys heard about comedy? Just dropped. <laughs> Have you heard about this new thing called comedy? <laughs> okay, Shoshana, it's that famous time for the third valedictorian to teach the stage. Thank you. Floor is yours. Students of 2024, class of 2024, thank you so much for letting the second runner up of <laughs> academic excellence. Uh, yeah, it was in order. Sp- give give a, give a speech. Uh, it, I feel third place is my is my rightful place. I feel comfortable with the bronze medal. Uh, it's not a lot of pressure, but you still feel good about yourself. Uh, if I can leave you with anything, class of twenty twenty four, it's um, I'd like to leave you with two things. One. Uh, don't ever do a full contact face slap. Just don't yeah. do it. Mm-hmm. If you're ever in a situation where someone tells you to, just say just say no. Just walk away. Find a different way. You just don't want to take that chance in life. Uh, the second thing I'd like to leave you with is um, make sure you know which blood is the edible blood and <sighs> which blood is the non-edible blood. Because you'll never get that taste out of your mouth if you get the wrong kind of blood in your yeah. in your mouth. It's not that taste will never ever go away. Uh, also, um, if you put a little peanut butter in your blood mix, it washes out of your clothes. That's a secret I'd like to leave you with. Also, <laughs> be the the more you support your partner the better everything will be. That's what I'd like to leave you with. Support your partners. Oh, yes. Thank you, yes, class of 2024. Brilliant. Between the peanut butter and the friendship, <laughs> I'm, I'm in. Unless you're oh allergic God. to peanut butter, and then I'm so sorry. Oh, <laughs> There's nothing to Forgot about that one. Yeah. Oh my God. Shoshana, thank you so much for doing this. This was lovely to have you. Yay, thank That's you gorgeous. for having me. This was so fun. Before we let you go, um, where can people find you on social media? Do you have anything you want to plug? What's going on, girl? Ooh, I, I do. You can find me on the social medias on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Shoshi Show. Uh, one of them <laughs> is like Shoshi Show and the other one is Shoshi.show. Mm. Fi- fi- figure it out. But probably if you type <laughs> in Shoshi, I'll come up. Uh, S-H-O-S-H-I. You can find me there. Uh, you can find me... Twice weekly at the Pack Theater doing uh, improv with Supernova, with Lucy and others. Uh, you can also find me in the first Wednesday of every month with the sketch group Corduroy, also at the Pack Theater uh, if you're out here in L.A. And then you can find me on the Internet uh, every Wednesday morning or afternoon, depending on what time zone you're in, yeah. uh, 9, 9.30 a.m., or 12.30 p.m. Screw central time. You get you got to figure it out for yourself. <laughs> Do the math. Yeah, F you mountain time. Uh, and uh, uh, I do a crafting show with my friend uh, Cubby. Oh. We do different crafts. Sometimes cool. we have guests. We play trivia. We have a talking club. Lots of tangents. Yeah. Some, mostly tangents, some crafting. That sounds like a blast. 
it's on Twitch, uh, Nat 21 adventures. If you find me on Instagram, I post and then you can follow the link and you can watch the show. Cool. My mom Gorgeous. says it's, my mom says it's very relaxing. <laughs> Put that on the poster. You know what to do when you need a moment to, to wind down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, with that, there's only one thing left to say. Alexi, I love you. Lucy, I love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.